There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cheese and pickle. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Joining me today is John Dryden Taylor. He's a writer and actor who you may have seen on stage at his many performances at the National Theatre, or you will have seen and heard his gags written for Mitchell and Webb TV and radio series. John Dryden Taylor, thanks for coming. Hello. Tell me, what have you brung me to talk about on well, this podcast? I, I'm kind of pandering by bringing this to you, I know, yeah. because uh, the annals of social media history will show <laughs> that in 2007, mm-hmm. the Bring Back Pulling Facebook group was founded by one Julia Rayside. Was it? Well, no, I can't remember. Was that me or somebody else with my very unusual name? <laughs> <laughs> yes, OK, it was me. So I was we're on a the scary same page about this. We were yeah, both, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we just become friends or yes. like two, a, a year or two earlier. That's right. So this the show ran 2006 out. to 2009 was the final special they let them have as a yeah, after last After they begged fart. for a third series. Sharon Horgan says that she and Dennis <sighs> Kelly, who wrote Matilda? No biggie. I know, and um, Utopia, and she's gone off to do stuff at HBO and Disaster. Um, no, they were nobody begging BBC Three <laughs> for another series and yes, they said you can have an hour-long special. Seems hilarious. So now, they did what it? everyone should do with an hour-long special and put Paul Ritter in it. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Ritter's the best. You know Paul Ritter, don't you? I've worked with him a few times. He was very, very good in Chernobyl that's just been on. Yes, he? he was. Absolutely um, astonishing. The reason, other than pandering to your delight in pulling and You can and say it like mad obsessive <laughs> love for. It's fine, I don't mind. I wanted to talk about comedy because I ended up working as a comedy writer and I had really the comedy upbringing that most of my peers of my age yeah. uh, had. When Victoria Wood died, I said on Twitter that uh, you wouldn't find any comedy writer who wouldn't, uh, of, of, you know, of our generation, who wouldn't say they were huge hugely influenced by us on TV. Completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had Fry Laurie, had French and Saunders. So uh, in terms of sketch shows, my my comedy worldview was formed by those three sketch yeah. shows, really. Especially Fry and Laurie. I think that if you look at the work we did on that Mitchell and Webb look, uh, the, the Fry and Laurie influence is clearer, I think, than oh, any other influence. God, absolutely, yeah. I would love to see Robin David. I, I, I said at the time, if only you could borrow ideas from other formats that had ended. Fry, a bit of Fry and Laurie was over. Why couldn't we write Control and Tony Merchant sketches I know. for, for oh, Robin David? It would have been brilliant. Um, but I didn't want to talk about sketch comedy because it gets talked about a lot. It does. And it doesn't get made anymore, but it does get talked <laughs> yeah. about. So. Um, and people don't, people don't tend to treat sitcoms with the same reverence that they do. Do you not think? Sketch shows, sort of in the annals. There are a few that Faulty Towers in the Office get yeah. talked about. Um, if there aren't maybe lines you can quote or catchphrases or something, I don't know. When I, when I was in the, uh, the US recently, I, I I read a, a review of an episode of Will and Grace, of one episode, right. which was about 2,000 words long in Entertainment Weekly. I actually sent it to the Lords and Masters of Great Big Al, um, Joel and Jason. Ah. I, sent them, I, I sent them a link to this review and said, wouldn't it be amazing if sitcoms in this country were taken so seriously? Because wow. it was the Will and Grace Me Too episode where Grace reveals to her father that, that she was abused by a family friend, and it's done beautifully. Oh, my gosh, I haven't and, seen that one. And there's this, it's a brilliant, brilliant piece in Entertainment Weekly yeah. that just takes it seriously as comedy and as storytelling. 
And we don't do that as much with no. sitcoms as we like. And the, the final reason why I want to talk about Pulling <laughs> is it's, of all the many comedies I've loved in my time, it's the only one that's drawn me in with one line. Really? Because I came to Pulling really late. It was halfway through the second series on BBC Three. Oh, wow. Before I'd seen any of it. And it was one of those slightly defiance disorder. Oh, people are saying this is brilliant, but I'll be the judge of that by not watching it. That's not like you, John. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually not, in fairness. (laughs) Now Um, you've mellowed in your old age. um, But it happened to be on. And it was an episode where Sharon Horgan's character, Donna, is talking to her boss. And he tells her that his mother has just died. (laughs) <laughs> and she's not listening because she's got a um, she's got an agenda of her own. So he says, you know, my mother's dead. They they said she might have been there for three days before anyone found her. Oh God! And Donna goes, Oh God, yeah, no, is she all right? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed with such delight. You knew. <laughs> um, and it's that conversation that provides the A-plot for that episode because Donna decides she's really good at cancelling. <laughs> and I thought, I have to watch all of this immediately. And it yeah. wasn't as easy to, to sort of box set binge in 2007. No, no, it's hard to track down. Now. So I had to wait for basically for BBC One to catch on and repeat the first series. Yeah. And everything about it is a delight. I, I don't like the way that uh, different programmes, particularly different programmes with female creators, are Set, uh, sort of set against each other. Mm-hmm. But it does strike me that a lot of the things that Fleabag is praised for doing first, yeah. Pulling had already done. And that's no shade on Fleabag, which yeah, is yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. I'm it's just, astonishing. It, it's, it's more about the way it's editorialised. Yeah. You know, it didn't invent looking to camera. Oh, God, no. And it didn't invent the messy anti-heroine, the messy, selfish anti-heroine. No, well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I think this might be, on our side of the pond anyway, the first female comedy like anti-heroine that we what had I, what I love about Donna in comparison with the central character in Fleabag is there's no desire to make us love her no no she's an arsehole you're never rooting for Donna no. ever although I have to say watching back a couple of clips for this there's a scene where she's supposed to be marrying Cavan Clark's character yeah. and she's decided she doesn't want to like, literally the night before and all of his family have flown in from Australia it's a nightmare mm. and they're all having dinner in some awful industrial estate kind of you know Frankie and Benny's yeah, yeah Trader Joe thing and she's kind of trying to extricate herself from this painful family dinner having it's been announced that she's not marrying him anymore and actually I didn't I, I remembered her being much much nastier and actually she was just she just she was portraying this awful thing of no I don't want to but look I don't want to hurt you but like, I really just want to go and I, I there was more nuance than I remembered in mm. in, in, in her character in yeah I, I think you do feel for her you yeah. feel sorry for her though, but you don't probably don't you, like don't her you ever go, I really want to hang out with this oh, God, with no. this person and I think it's that's another interesting thing about it for people of my age and my generation um, <clears throat> I know pulling is a favourite of Sam Bain who's one of the writers yeah. of Peep Show. And I think us Gen Xers, I think we find a lot of comedy in the desire to be good and an honourable person yeah. and the ways in which we fail at doing it. Yes. And certainly Sam's interest in... Mark definitely wants to be a good person. Oh, you Peep can Show. totally see that He's in Peep Show. Yeah. terrible at doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you could do all kinds of bullshit psychological reasons. So, you know, we were brought up by people who were war adjacent and you know, yeah, we didn't yeah, yeah. fight in any wars. And Neither uh, did we, our parents, though, we, John. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's right. we, and we were maybe more pampered than previous generations. Yeah. And, or, or, you know, those of us who were you know, lucky enough to be brought up in, in relatively comfortable circumstances were, at any rate. Um, and so I think there's been this, this examination among people born late 60s, early 70s yeah. of why do I keep not being as nice as I want to be? <laughs> yes. And in pulling, you've got three versions of that. And yeah. uh, you've got Donna, who is convinced she's wonderful. Yeah. 
and is unremittingly selfish. And she thinks there's some as yet unfulfilled destiny, which when she finds, she'll be happy. Yeah. But she definitely thinks she deserves something better than what she has currently. Yeah. That's it, always her. It's very interesting th- th- to see the way Sharon Hawkins developed that character into Sharon and Catastrophe yes, as well. Completely. Because Sharon and Donna, they're cousins. They're not, you they know, are. they're not, it's not the development of the character. But yeah. It's, it's how, you know, somebody might go in a, a slightly different yeah, a direction. A parallel track, Donna. perhaps, yeah. Um, so you've got, you've got Donna who thinks she's Mother Teresa and is a, an ego monster of yeah. massive selfishness. You've got Louise who is a sweetheart. And that's Rebecca Staten, isn't Rebecca it? Rebecca Staten. Who's brilliant and, and everything. And, and has gone on to play generally badasses. Yes, uh, yes. Like in, in, in Catelyn Moran's series Raised by Wolves and in Rufus Jones's Home. Yeah. Um, you know, she's She's got some fire. Yeah. And Louise is such an adorable she doormat. Yes, yeah, she is. She, she is like the low-status character of that trio. And the about. outstanding performance of Pulling. Yeah. The, uh, the one that I think, the character I think that Horgan and Kelly enjoyed writing for most, and somebody who's not really done any other comedy and is no. majestic, is Tanya Franks as Karen. She is splendid, isn't she? Uh, there's a scene which I think I sent you a link to from the second episode, I think. It, uh, the character of Karen is a reception <laughs> primary school teacher. And we all know there's that thing about being a teacher. Your teacher face is kind of, you know, sunny and lovely and nurturing. And then at home you might you might be shooting up or, or you know, sort of just you, you might be a totally different person outside of the classroom. And, and that's this, how she plays this. this. takes that. She is a hard drinker. Uh, she takes drugs. She's promiscuous. She has affairs. She steals. She's the um, one who's having the... Now, is it Paul Kay's character, the guy yes. who played Dennis Penis? He's some kind of druggy nightmare, isn't he? And she's yeah. sort of having self-destructive sex with him most of the and, time. And indeed, at the end of the special, because uh, in the uh, one our special that they were given instead of a third yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. She's become a sort of surrendered housewife. Yes. And she thinks that feminism has gone too far and she's under the control of Paul Ritter who's Ooh. making her have his dinner on the table all the time. Oh, God. And then she meets Billy, Paul Kay's character, that's and has it, just Billy. one drink. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and it, it all ends goes with her wrong. marrying him. <laughs> <laughs> ends with them both pissed getting married. Fabulous. But in, in the second episode, she's sitting in front of the reception class reading them a story about Bobo the Bear. Oh, God. And she has a breakdown, and it is the funniest. <laughs> and it's all about what's not said. So she's holding up this book in front of lots of kids. And Bobo says... Hug. Hug, yes, hug. Bobo just wants a hug, doesn't he? Some real physical contact that's more than just a fleeting... <laughs> she stops herself. Stops, turns the page. <laughs> and then she does it later on. When she says, uh, Bobo's all alone with his terrible agony and is finding it increasingly difficult to find a reason why he should carry on at all. So he fills it with meaningless... She almost gets to the F of that word she doesn't <laughs> that, say. That's just a wonderful... And this is pure comedy and oh, Frank's is majestic in it. Uh, one of the kids just goes, as, as a five-year-old does, yeah. just goes, Hug! <laughs> She goes, yes, that's right, hug. <laughs> bless, bless you. Bless you, sweetheart. Bless your beautiful, innocent little heart. But <laughs> <laughs> Like Nancy and Oliver. Yeah, and, <laughs> She's um, so good. Yeah, and, and she, gets, she, get, uh, she gets all the best storylines as well. So I'm, I'm, she, she does. She has an affair with a married man. Yeah. And I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but he dies with her ring on or something. Oh, God. <laughs> and she has to go into his coffin at his funeral to get her property back and gets caught. So it is, it's, it's, it's all there's heavy moments, sitcom yeah. stuff happening. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I like about the way Sharon Horgan writes, actually, because for all that she's very, very hyper-naturalistic and real and uh, based in real human foibles, yeah. both in Pulling and in Catastrophe, she really does not shy away from big sitcom yeah. happenings. Yeah. You know, there's, like, there's a brilliant uh, B-plot in an episode of Pulling where um, Kevin Clarkin's character ends up with a Hitler moustache. <laughs> Brilliant! 
Yeah. Um, my favourite ever high concept sitcom set piece. Yeah. Try saying that when you're drunk. Oof. Um Isn't actually from Pulling, so I'm going a bit off topic here. But Go. just in terms of seeding something beautifully through an episode and getting the most gigantic payoff in history. There's an episode of 2.4 Children, which I think is an underrated sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where one of the storylines is that whichever one of those Grange Hill twins played their daughter. (laughs) Buckfield, they were called Buckfield, I think. Oh, that's right. And one of them went out with Anton Deck. She went out with Anton (laughs) Deck, yes. uh, Yeah. And then the other one was in 2.4 Children. I've forgotten they were twins. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were like, they were our humble British tribute to Gail and Gillian, weren't they? (laughs) So, daughter Buckfield, she's got a boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, but she's ashamed of her family yep. uh, because they're so rackety and bohemian and, and not middle class enough. And also because her boyfriend's family is Catholic. Ah, OK. And she thinks that her atheist parents will make some kind of faux pas. So she mm-hmm. doesn't want her boyfriend's family to meet her family. There's that storyline. Yep. There's also a storyline that Belinda Lang is going around Carl boot sales and jumble sales looking for new furniture for the house. And she finds this chest okay. that she's going to restore. So those storylines trundle along nicely and they eventually persuade the daughter to bring the Catholic family round for for tea. And then it's so audacious. The wooden box turns out to be a massive inflatable Pope. <laughs> that, so, that, so, that is Terry and June good, that so is. So she opens the, Belinda Lang opens the lid, whoosh, this, this huge Pope in front of itself. So they're like, oh no, <laughs> the Catholics are coming down to tea and we've got an inflatable Pope. This is something from Father Ted. So they've got to deflate the inflatable Pope. So as they are hitting the Pope with sticks... (laughs) I'm laughing just at the description. It's tremendous. The Catholic family look through the letterbox and see see what's happening. And I I take my hat off to that big... Like I say, the set piece of... Our end point is the Catholics (laughs) looking at inflatable Pope being beaten with sticks. Our starting point is, Mum, Dad, I don't want you to meet my boyfriend. It is brilliant. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like I say, pulling, to bring it back to the matter in hand, pulling isn't afraid of those big sitcom moments like the hit the moustache, like deciding the night before that she's not going to marry him. Like, there's a whole episode where she's pursuing somebody who stole a kebab at a night bus. (laughs) That's the the A plot of that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's that mixture of... Well, it's what Peep Show does so well as well, isn't it? It's that mixture of sort of cinema verite realism and real insight into human behaviour mixed with big, silly sitcom farce. It's really clever. I think one of my favourite scenes from Pulling is when Sir Kevin Clark's character, um, Carl, uh, it's kind of he's made a lovely salmon and bagels and champagne breakfast for her. And this is the moment she's chosen to him. She doesn't think getting married is a great idea. And, you know, he's like, no, I've got news, I've got news. And he tells her he's bought a house. And then she... You know, you can see her thinking, should I now say my news or not? And then she eventually does, but sort of in very, very sort of gentle, like, I'm not sure how to say this, but I'm not sure it's a good idea. And his reaction is one of those portrayals of just utter desperation. That is both true. It's what you were saying. There's something so true about that moment where you realise the person you, you look at with love isn't looking at you like that anymore. And you're, you're bargaining, you're panicking, you're, oh, God, no, put the words back in your mouth quickly. And he just, he portrays that so beautifully. He ends up flailing around the kitchen going, oh, God, oh, God. And then he ba- just bashes into the kitchen door and falls over. It's like huge comedy and this absolute pinpoint truth that almost breaks your heart. It's so clever. Well, case in point, the very, very first thing that happens in Pulling yeah. is you see Donna giving giving Carl, giving Kevin Clarkin's character a, a very perfunctory handjob in the, <laughs> in, in, the, in the last moments of their relationship. And you, the yeah. vinegar strokes of their so, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, the expression on her face is, is sort of bored and resigned. <laughs> and then he gets up and leaves... <laughs> Uh, having having reached completion, she looks around and you clearly you, you clearly think, oh, I see what her problem is. And then she pulls a leaf off the rubber plant to wipe her hand with. 
<laughs> and that's the first thing we learn about those two characters. Brilliant. The first thing we Establishes see. Establishes character. Yeah. Two people in one silent scene. Very, very clever. Good choice, John. Thank you very much. Thanks for bringing Bring that pulling. You're under suspension. What for? What for? I've just caught you crying in front of reception. So they cry all the time. Now, before you go, please delve your hand sensuously into my box of delights. I love this box of delights. Read out the quickfire question there. It does there look in. like a cake. I love the way yeah, your logo looks like it? a cake. So it's like, it's both a box <laughs> and, and a, a cake. cake. And a television. This is a really hard one. Which series of Blackadder? Yes. Now, you can only have one. We're burning the others. So think well, very carefully. Well, one goes. Um, I, don't I, think, I don't think anyone would choose one. And not because it's oh, bad, you, they're, but they're, there's so much goodness in the there rest. There are people who choose one. You know, you know the people who we choose We wouldn't one. like them. We wouldn't get on with them, would we? Yeah. They're the ones who say, oh, Pericles is my favourite Shakespeare play. <laughs> Um, that lot. That was a smug and, and not <laughs> at all inclusive middle class Shakespeare laugh. I do apologise. Uh, they're the people that. Oh, John, how silly Pericles! <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel I feel just shouted at now. I'm no, not sure, no, I'm not I'm sure. Just... I'm in a very black out of place now. <laughs> I'm only saying that we probably <laughs> might be the only two people laughing at that. Carry on. Um... One series, John. I'm burning the rest. I'll burn all of them if you don't pick one. I'm going to drop four as well. OK. Because I'm just bored with people going on about the end. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. I was shown that in my GCSE English lesson, a GCSE uh, English lesson, and I thought that was a brilliant thing for my teacher to do. But, uh, yeah. That I don't was... think also, apart from the end, I don't think it is quite at the standard of a two and three. It's not quite up there. It's still better than anything else anybody's ever done, but it's not as good as the absolute astonishing wonder. Of... I, this is always just a question between, between two and three. between two and three. Yeah. Um, I can't burn flash art. It's got to... I, said, I would actually say the same thing. Um, There's no I guessing love, rid of him. I love three. I love the... I love Robbie Coltrane as Dr Johnson. I love... Oh, that episode's superb, the um, dictionary. Oh. Uh, uh, I love uh, the superstitious actors. Uh, Prince George, <laughs> I think, is probably... Oh, this is hard. The Prince George and is, I'm is, sorry. is probably... I'm going to have to rush you. One of the greatest uh, characters in the whole series. Yes, You've got no, Mrs. I agree. Millions and her suspiciously shaped sausage. <laughs> um, but you can't... You cannot burn flash art. You've got to keep... Flash art. You've got, you've got to keep Queenie. You've got to keep Queenie. You've got to keep Nursey. Bird. Yeah. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Bob. Gabriel Glaster oh, is Bob. What a performance. Oh, God. Woof. Yeah, flash art. You're right. It's got to be him. Yeah. OK. It's two. It, I'm keeping two. It's yours. The rest are going to the flames. Sorry for naming a Shakespeare play, Julia. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed, at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.